What's good, fam? Thanks for joining me, your host, Corey Cabri, on the Living Life on Purpose podcast, where we discuss various topics on how to apply God's principles to your everyday life. I hope you enjoy the discussion. All right, all right. Welcome to another discussion. Um, today we're just continuing on. We've been talking about things we must do in uh in the times of difficulties uh in the times of difficulties last week we discussed being humble and today um the lord has placed it on my heart to discuss being satisfied uh, being satisfied there's no rhyme or reason to how god is giving me this but he's just showing me it as as each moment passes as i study as i listen uh to the bible and i'm pretty much all over the place within the Bible and he so the discussions are always all over the place um, but God has been really harping on me from listening that um, it behooves us to be satisfied with him to be satisfied to be content with God and I've been listening to Hosea and and there was a particular passage over in chapter 13 that I want to read real quick um, and then I'm, I'm going to go to Philippians 4 and also read over there just to show you two different sides of the spectrum uh, when it comes to what God is really placing on my heart when it comes to being satisfied with him uh, and this is Hosea 13 I'm reading in the NIV version and it says when Ephraim spoke people trembled he was exalted in Israel but he became guilty of Baal worship and died now they sin more now they sin more and more they make idols for themselves from their silver, cleverly fashioned images, all of them work of craftsmen. It is said of these people, they offer human sacrifices. They kiss calf idols. Therefore, they will be like the morning mist, like the early dew that disappears, like chaff swirling from a threshing floor, like smoke escaping through a window. But I have been the Lord your God ever since you came out of Egypt. Egypt, you shall acknowledge no God but me, no Savior except me. I cared for you in the wilderness, in the land of burning heat. When I fed them, they were satisfied. When, I, when they were satisfied, they became proud. And then they forgot me. So I will be like a lion to them. Like a leopard, I will lurk by the path. Like a bear robbed of her cubs, I will attack them and rip them open. Like a lion, I will devour them. A wild animal will tear them apart. Very, very vicious in God and how he discusses what he's going to do to Israel as a result of them forgetting about him. Showing satisfaction with what he did for them, but not satisfaction with God God is placing it on my heart that we must be satisfied with him and with him alone with him and with him alone like throughout the period of God bringing the children of Israel out of Egypt you saw many times where God would they would complain they would complain they would complain about uh, not having any water so then God told Moses to smite the rock God and Moses smote the rock and water came out of the rock. We saw many complaints where 
he was like, they were saying, well, you brought us out of Egypt so that we may die in starvation, basically. And then so God rained down manna from heaven, bread, which was manna. And God rained, gave them quail when they complained about always eating bread. And God gave them quail for meat. And he told them in one portion, he said, I'm going to give you quail. I'm going to give you quail until it's coming out of your nose. Right? He was so disappointed in them with their dissatisfaction with him. It's like there are so many there's so many times where the children of Israel would be walking with God and right witnessing everything God is doing for them for for them and they would still not consider him. They would still turn the other way. They would still build things such as like when Moses was in the mountain receiving the commandments of God, they would turn and they said, told Aaron, build this calf for us. And we're going to say, this calf brought us up out of Egypt, knowing that the calf that they were bringing, that they was having manufactured a machine and, and sculpted, wasn't what brought them out of Egypt. They knew God brought them out of Egypt. But here they were. Here they were fixating themselves on something that they mastered. Master something of, of of their own hands, a masterpiece of their own hands, and them turning to this masterpiece of their own hands and saying that this masterpiece is our God. What hypocrisy, right? What hypocrisy? After witnessing everything God did, then they turn from it and they forget about God. And why? This is what's crucial, right? This is what's critical in this particular moment. Why? It was because they said, God had stayed away for too long. Basically, Moses and God were away too long. They got tired of waiting on God. If you recall Saul, whenever uh, God was, when, when God had told him to go out and fight, I think it was against the Amalekites or it may have been the Philistines. I can't remember exactly. And, and I'll turn over there, but over in Samuel. But he had sent him out to fight. And, and Samuel was going to meet him, to bless him for the war. But because God took too long, Saul began to make sacrifices to idols. And so God basically stripped, stripped his anointing from Saul. And, and he regretted that he had made Saul king because Saul didn't want to wait on God. He wasn't satisfied with God because it was more or less it was what God was doing for him. The children of Israel, it was what God was doing for him. If you look at this passage with Hosea, it wasn't about what God was to them. It was about what God was doing for them. And you find that today, like, it's so prevalent in today's time. Like we get caught up in what God is doing for us. And we become dissatisfied with God when he's not doing things for us because we don't have a satisfaction with God. Right? And that starts with, well, who is God? I mean, who is God to us? Well, first, when you look at the children of Israel, well, he brought you up out of Egypt. Why? Because you were under the oppression of the Egyptians. So you cried out for help, saying that I no longer want to be under the oppression of the Egyptians because they considered them not. They were getting too large within the land of the Egyptians, and they started killing all of their male children. If there was a male, they was killing them. They were throwing them into the Nile. Throwing all of the male boys, all of the male babies into the Nile River, right? And 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 you would prefer to be under the taskmasters of them, uh, aside from being under the 
under the yoke of the Lord, who is steering you in a direction that is going to be beneficial for you? When he told you, I'm taking you into a land that I promised your father Abraham, Abraham received that promise, but he didn't actually benefit from it, right? He didn't get to actually enjoy that promised land. He just got the promise, right? I'm taking you to a land that I'll show you, <laughs> right? This is a promise that God made to Abraham, which was actually the seed, right? But he was blessing him with a seed, and, but he didn't even get to see the multitude of the seed. He got to see one. He got to see one son, and from one son, they became a multitude of people, a multitude of people that didn't follow after Abraham, meaning they didn't believe God and walk before God uprightly. God told Abraham to walk before me. Be upright and walk before me. Stay, stay, stay in the light of God. So who is this God? This God was the God that brought them out of Egypt. Right? He brought them out of Egypt. He took care of them. He fed them. He gave them water. Right? He led them. He told them what to do. He told them what not to do. He, he was always in the forefront of them, showing them and directing them. He was their God. He was not only their creator, but he was their God. Personally, up close, he gave witness to all of the miracles. But what the thing of it was, they weren't God to them. Like, God was their God. Right? Because basically, I'm going to say it like this. They were God's people, but God wasn't their God, in other words. Like, they didn't look at God as being their God. So why would they create a calf if they did? They didn't, right? Their minds were all vexed from living with the Egyptians. The Egyptians worshipped many things. They had gods of many things. They even considered themselves as gods. So, so they were vexed by this. Well, we could pretty much de determine whatever we want to be God. We don't have to make whatever this thing is, this entity that, that did all of these miracles before our eyes. We don't have to, to worship that entity as God. We can create and make whatever we want God. That, this is what was in their minds, right? So when God did all of these things, it was of nothing. It was of nothing. It was just in the moment that I appreciated it in the moment, but I didn't appreciate who it came from, right? And that's what we are doing today. We don't appreciate what God is doing for us. See, we miss it. We don't, not even that, not even that. We, we like what God is doing for us, but we don't appreciate the God it is coming from. In other words, it's like, it's like, I know you're doing this for me, but I don't appreciate you for doing this for me. I'm just happy that you gave me what it is that you gave me. And then when I need something else, that's more or less what I want you to do. It's like, well, what is God doing for us? Well, in the event of every event, you're always in a position where God is either protecting you or he's giving you something. He's placing you in a position to be everything that you possibly can be for the best of not only you and your family, but to work out a purpose that he has created you for. Now, I know not everybody lives in there because people are like, man, I don't even know what my purpose is. Of course, right? You're questioning that. I don't even know what my purpose is. And a lot of that because you're not actually seeking out. Your purpose. You're not trying to seek out what truly God created you on the earth to be. You're not even seeking it out. More or less, you're just aimlessly going about trying to figure out what it is that you want to do, and you're telling God, and not even asking, but you're telling God to, to show you what it is or help you be what it is you want to be despite him, despite him. But he, he continues to enable you to have such a mind as that, to do such a thing 
against him. In other words, it's like he's allowing you to dismiss him for your own gain. And you never stop and look at it and say, wow, Lord, what a slap in the face. I'm treating you like I'm your master when you have all the power to do what it is that I'm asking you to do. And I'm treating you like I'm your master. That kind of thing. God is allowing you and enabling you to do such a thing, and then you don't even look at it with a sense of grace. Why am I not being gracious to God? Why am I being so hard on a God that created me? I mean, think about that. I'm being hard on a God that created me because of little things that I'm seeing come upon me that I don't like, not ever considering what God doesn't like. God created me, and here I am. Can you imagine having a baby or a child? And this child is wayward. This child is wayward. Right? You, 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 you help bring this child into the world. And this child is wayward. This child is dismissive of you. You have your decrees. You have things that you lay out for your child just so that your child will be benefited. And then they look at you like, well, that ain't what I wanted. That ain't the way I wanted it. It ain't what I wanted, it ain't the way I wanted it, it didn't come what I wanted it to come. You're going to have to try again. Those aren't the clothes I wanted, this is not the food I want, it don't taste the way I want it to taste, you're going to have to do better. And this is how we treat God. And we never look at it in the light of, wait, he created me. And here he is allowing me to do this very thing every moment of the day. And I never stopped to look at him and be like, wow, he's being so gracious. He's being so gracious, and I never thank him for his graciousness. So you like, so you're not wondering when you're asking that question, well, what is God to me? God is everything to us, everything to us, and we are nothing to him, nothing to him. And we treat him with disdain. With this dang, because we aren't getting what we want when we want it. Merely that, when we have a God that will give us everything that we need when we don't need it. <laughs> but he'll supply it even when we don't need it. Because it may be for something we need in the future, but he'll give it to us at a time that we don't need it. Like a gift. I mean, like a talent. Right? Like a, an ability to do something that he's not even using you right now for. We don't thank him for those things. Right? So I'm just saying, we're not gracious to God. Right? But God is so gracious to us, but we're not gracious to God. We don't have, look at God and just with a sense of grace, like, man, Lord, I know you're going to do this thing for me. And I know I would love to have it at right now. But I will be gracious to you. Why? Because you're so gracious to me. No, we're just dissatisfied. I'm just not happy with you, Lord. Like we're his Lord. I'm not happy with you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to trade you in for this calf. I'm going to create this calf and make it my God if you keep on acting like that. We don't offer God grace. We don't extend a graciousness to him because of how gracious he is. Not that, not that, ha. <laughs> Not that that's what he's asking of us. That's blasphemous to even think such a thing. That God needs our grace. No, God doesn't need our grace. 
No, God merits our obedience. That's what he merits that because he's our God. We're not his God, right? We're not his master. He's our God, but we treat him like we're his God. And never, never stopping to think that, wow, if I were God, why would anybody want me as God? But seeing that he's God, why wouldn't we want him as God? Why is it that we're so fixated on the things that he could do for us versus him? Because if he could do this for us and I got him, then I'm good, whether he does it or not, because I got him. And this is what he's saying in Hosea. They were satisfied with me feeding them. Right, verse 6, when I fed them, they were satisfied. When they were satisfied, they became proud, and then they forgot me because they were full. I don't need you no more. They weren't satisfied with God. We have to be satisfied with God, and then when we're not satisfied with God, then you get 7 through uh, 9 and 10 when he says, I'm basically going to destroy them. And you wonder why things starts to come on the earth the way it does. And I'm not saying God has sent a plague of this coronavirus on the earth in here in, in this moment, because a lot of it is a lot of it is smoke and mirrors, right? Because when God sends a plague, oh, people start falling off by the droves. They start falling off, like people just start collapsing. And I ain't hearing about people collapsing. I'm hearing about a few cases of people dying and they above sixty. I'm talking about when God does something, I mean, everybody died. Babies, I ain't tripping, but I'm just saying, this is God. When you look at the scriptures, he's killing babies. He's killing animals. He's destroying cities. He's laying waste to the lands because of our dissatisfaction with him. He's like, oh, you're not satisfied with me? Okay, cool. But seeing I'm God, <laughs> and you need me, and I don't need you, why am I keeping you around? That sounds harsh. But what's harsh is when we're treating our God like we're his God. That's what's harsh. But let me go on over to Philippians. Go on over to Philippians because I don't want to be scared, folks. Um, but I love Paul. Uh, and I love how Paul became humble to God. And he became content with God. He became satisfied over chapter 4. He was satisfied. He was Good with whatever position or state God had him in, just so long as he was with God. Just so long as he was with God. And that's that's the thing, right? And I'm going to start in verse 4. Uh, I don't know where I'll stop, but I'm going to start at 4. Uh, but it says, rejoice in the Lord always. And I will say it again, rejoice. All right? Rejoice in the Lord always. And I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. We talked about that. Things you must do in the time of difficulties. When you're not getting what you want, keep rejoicing always. Keep praying always. Keep being thankful to God always. Stay humble. Don't become proud. Stay humble always and always, always. Be satisfied, right? All right, continue. Then he said, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts. What were you saying, brother? Okay. Will guard your hearts. No. And your, you guys let me say? No, no. 
Oh, okay. Well, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Right? When you're being all and thinking, going into a frantic about not getting something you wanted, it says when you go off of your prayer, your rejoicing, your thanksgiving, and not, not being anxious about anything, but always offering these requests to God, always considering God. God got you. I'm not going to complain. God got me. I don't have to complain. I don't have to complain that I don't have this. I don't have to complain that I don't have a spouse. I don't have to complain that I don't have a job. God knows this. And if God is my God, then God knows this, and he's going to take care of me. Right? And he said, finally, brothers and sisters, this is verse 8, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. And then he said, I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at the last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned. But you had no opportunity to show it. I am not saying because this because I am in need for I have learned to be content. I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned to this. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. I can be hungry and be good. I can be full and be good. Meaning I can be full physically and not be dissatisfied with God because he's fed me. I'm still satisfied with God. I want more God. I don't care about that food that he just gave me. I just want more God. I can be hungry, and I can be needing food, but I'm still yearning for my God. I can have a whole bunch of stuff, and I'm still yearning for my God. I can have nothing, and I'm yearning for my God. I'm yearning for my God. This is Paul talking. He's yearning for his God. Regardless of what the circumstance is, he's satisfied with God. The circumstances is not swaying him. It's not deterring him. God is his all. God is his all. He's learned that, right? There was a point in time where God wasn't, but then he learned it. And how do you learn it? But you go back up in the beginning because he rejoiced always. He began to rejoice always. <laughs> Just follow it. Follow the scripture. He rejoiced in the Lord always. Regardless of the circumstances, he rejoiced. He was like, God is good, man. You know what I'm saying? We say, we say that. God is good. God, all the time, God is good. But no, he actually was rejoicing in God always. This is what Paul was doing, right? And this is why he's telling them to follow this same thing, right? And then he said it again. I will say it again. Rejoice. Because there's something in your rejoicing, regardless of your circumstance. And notice this. Check this out. He said, let your gentleness be evident to all. He didn't allow his circumstances to determine how he treated people. He was still going to treat people the same way. I'm hungry, y'all. And ain't nobody helping me. But I'm still going to be helpful to people. Still going to be helpful to people. Why? Because the Lord is near. Regardless of what I'm going through, I know God is near. He ain't far away. It seems like it because every time there's some kind of crisis, this this little old 
coronavirus has everybody in a frantic. It's a pandemic, is what it was declared. So everybody's staying in their houses because don't nobody want to get this virus. Because if we get this virus, it's, oh, my goodness, this is the end of the world, y'all. So it seems like God is just away, and this virus is present. But God is present. Regardless of this virus, God is present. But it's, it's like you have, to, you have to know that within you, because if you don't, then God is going to be far away. And he's over here saying, no, man, God is near. Then he says, do not be anxious about anything. And that's exactly what this world has become. We become anxious about this virus. Versus being anxious, what is God saying? He's saying, but in every situation by prayer and petition, God, what are we to do in light of this virus? Is there anything that we should do aside from what you're telling us to do the day before we found out about it? Was there something different that you declared in the land that we should do before this virus was manifested? Because I would submit to you the virus was already in the land. We just didn't know about it. They're saying it's new. It's not new. There's been so many things that have been throughout this land, so many plays God has sent on this land that have done way worse things to people than what this coronavirus is doing. But it is something that has spread throughout the land. And people are panicking. People have become anxious and nobody's praying. Lord, what in the world are we to do? Pray. Right? Pray. And then check this out. Make your with thanksgiving though, right? This is what Paul's saying in six. Pray. Don't be anxious. Pray. And offer your thanks to God. Thank you, Lord, for helping letting us see that this is on the earth. Thank you for keeping us safe even before we even knew that it was here. And if you have it, thank you, Lord, for letting me know that I do have it. Thank you for showing me what I am to do as a result of me having it. Thank you, Lord. Right? And the peace of God which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Right? God gave him a peace. He gave him a peace despite his situation. And that's why he could say, I am content. Whether I'm fed or I'm hungry, I am content whether I have plenty or I have little. I'm good. I wasn't worried about you guys giving me anything because I was good. I am grateful that you are now able to give, right? But regardless of you giving, because the giving is not even for me. I'm giving it to someone else. <laughs> I'm good, guys. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. And we miss this part. We miss what Christ is giving us strength to do. He's giving us strength to have peace in the midst of a chaos. That's what he's doing. And with that, I'm satisfied. If God is going to give me peace in the midst of all of this foolishness, I can't help but be satisfied with God. Why would I give God away for an idol? Why would I give God away for some antivirus? No, I want God. If I got to have a virus with God, I'll have a virus with God. Versus not having the virus and not having God. No, give me the virus so I can keep my God. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I want God. I'm satisfied with God. Brother, that's all I have. That's all I have. God is uh, hes an amazing entity. Every form of him, his word, his Holy Spirit, his, his intellect, 
his his bodily form, his his son in the sight light of Christ who walked the earth as a man, he's amazing. He's amazing. He's artistry within himself. He's a work of art of his own creation, of his own of his own even evolving because he evolves as an entity. He's a work of art. He is a work of art. He is awesome, awesome, awesome in the light of, we say, oh, of yeah. all of the sums of his parts. <laughs> we just in awe at him. Well, family, I hope the discussion has encouraged you. I hope it has enlightened you. I hope it has infused you with love and truth to live a life filled with God on purpose. And if it has, Join us again for more godly discussions. Thank you.